Welcome to Ecclesia Principles, a biblical strategy for believers to engage in God's design for government with Ray Eppard. Hello, glad you could join us again today. This week, we're looking at the nature of government or the tendencies of government. And the thing of it is, this isn't something unique to one group of people or to one nation. This is the basic tendency of government overall. Now, we've used as our text 1 Samuel chapter 8, beginning at verse 11, where God is telling Samuel, tell Israel, because Israel was wanting a king, tell Israel this is how things are going to be if you get a king. And, and through this, it is letting us know the nature of government, the tendencies of government. It's letting us know the, uh, how government will gravitate, which way government will go. You see, Israel was to be governed at that point by the laws of God. And they did have judges. There, were, there was a process for dealing with, with, with crime. There was a process for that. And it was contained in the law. But they really got tired of some of the inherent problems of liberty. And for lack of a better phrase, in our country today, there are people getting tired of some of the inherent problems of liberty. Because let me tell you one of the inherent problems of liberty. Everybody doesn't do what you think they should. <laughs> Isn't that a terrible thing? Everybody doesn't do what this person thinks they should because that person obviously is smarter than everybody else and everybody should do what they think should be done. And that's, um, that's the, the issue here. It's not that it's wrong. It's not what they think is right. It's not best. And we need to make it the best. So we need to start restricting people's ability to do things. And, and that's really... Uh, were the bureaucratic state, the, the unelected government officials. Uh, that, is, that is very deep uh, in, that, in that part of the government, that they know better than everybody else. And, but anyway, here's what God told them in 1 Samuel 8, beginning with verse 11. And he said, This will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for his own chariots to be his horsemen, and some will run before his chariots. He will appoint captains over his thousands and captains over his fifties. He will set some to plow his ground, reap his harvest, and some to make his weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers, cooks, bakers. He will take the best of your fields, your vineyards, and your olive groves, and give them to his servants. And he will take a tenth of your grain and your vintage and give it to his officers and servants. And he will take your male servants and your female servants, your finest young men and your donkeys, and put them to his work. He will take a tenth of your sheep, and you will be his servants." And as we've said, that last phrase is ultimately the inherent nature of government. He will make you be his servants. You see, ultimately right now, a big part of the struggle in our nation is the government trying to make the people be the servants of the government. 
and you, the government is supreme. No, supreme in, in this situation for a civil government should be the law of the land. When a person uses the phrase rule of law, what that means is, is that the laws that are passed rule over everyone. Now, here's the problem right now is uh, there's a lot of people wanting to function above the law, separate from the law, and they are the government. You know, we talked some about freedom of speech. It doesn't matter if what they say is true or not. That's their story, and everybody has to go along with it because of who they are. Now, you see, with this, today I want to get into a little bit of freedom of religion because ultimately the Founding Fathers understood the inherent nature of government, that government will continue to try to encroach on the liberties and the freedoms of the people, that the way government will seek to solve a problem because it will seem to be the easiest way to solve it. Let's not let people have the freedom of speech. Let's not let them say this, and the problem will go away. If we just make it where they can't say this, if they're not allowed to express that opinion, then that problem goes away. No, they understood that, so they put restrictions. The Bill of Rights, the First Ten Amendments, were limitations on government, what it could not do. You know, it says, Congress shall pass no law. And today with talking about freedom of religion. You see, it doesn't say, and this is important to understand. This is important to understand because government sees religion as a problem. Government sees religion as a problem because a person's religion they're usually pretty tied to it. And it's hard to sway people away from their religious beliefs. So how do we keep, if, if, it was, if I was in government, how do we keep a person's religion from creating a problem for us? Well, the first thing we do is we change the idea of the freedom of religion, we change it to a different concept and we start talking about freedom of worship. You see, that is a huge difference. Freedom of religion is protected in the Constitution. Most people today are discussing freedom of worship. What is the difference between freedom of religion and freedom of worship? Freedom of worship comes down to this. You can worship God in your home as you see fit. You can believe and practice your religion in your home. And you can leave your home, get in your car, and drive over to a place of worship. And there in that place of worship, you can worship God as your conscience dictates. And when you finish worshiping God in that place, then you can go back to your home and worship God 
as your conscience dictates in your home. But if you go to lunch or Monday when you go to work or if you do this, you're not allowed to take your freedom of worship to any place other than your home or your place of worship. You can do it in your home. You can do it at the place of worship. Freedom of worship is a restriction. It is an unconstitutional approach. It is a substitute, a very, very poor, weak substitute for the freedom of religion. In the Bill of Rights, freedom of religion was put this way. Congress shall pass no law establishing religion or, and, and let's go ahead and put that phrase back in, Congress shall pass no law prohibiting the free exercise thereof. You see, that does away with the place of worship, the freedom of worship. Now, it's freedom of religion. I can practice my religion wherever I am because this is my belief system. When I'm in the marketplace, I can function with the, my freedom of religion there. When I am in the political realm, I can function based on my religion there because that is my religion. It is my conscience. And I have freedom of religion, not freedom of worship. I can take that with me into every area of life because Congress shall pass no law prohibiting the free exercise thereof. The concept of freedom of worship is a restriction to places, your home and places of worship. Freedom of religion lets you live based on your faith wherever you are. Now, you see, the concept of separation of church and state, see, some people say, well, there's no such thing as church and state. Well, Thomas Jefferson used the phrase. He said there is a wall of separation. And that is, that's where that phrase came from. And ultimately, that wall of separation is really there in the Bill of Rights. Congress shall make no law establishing religion. I, I, I don't have to go along with any particular type of religion. Now, you see, the thing of it is, and we, we need to be uh, more vocal about this because Gnosticism, be, uh, excuse me, not Gnosticism, but being an agnostic is a form of belief about God. An atheist, being an atheist, atheism is a form of belief about God. They are, by definition, religions. Not necessarily the worship of a deity, but it is a belief system about God. And what we have in our country today is we have our government establishing being agnostic or atheistic. They are establishing those two. They are not putting everything on an equal playing field. No, no God, no God 
or no acknowledgement of whatever it might be. It might be a God, but we don't know. You know. That is where they're functioning from. They are establishing a religion for the people of this nation rather than leaving it to where, uh, now we, we're staying out of that. We're staying out of that. We're not going to tell you who to do or who not to do. We're staying out of that. Congress shall pass no law regarding the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise. We have allowed, we have allowed people to basically just push the establishment clause and we have not pushed back. And we need to become more expressive about the fact no Congress nor a court that is trying to legislate from the bench can pass any law restricting the free exercise thereof. We've got to understand that. You see, in the sense of practice, in the sense of practice, there is no separation of church and state. I have freedom of religion. I can take my religion wherever I go. Whatever part of life I go into, I can take my religion with me. There's no restrictions on it, no restrictions on the free exercise thereof. I can, whatever arena I go into, I can take it with me. I have freedom of religion. However, on the establishment clause, government needs to leave religion alone. It doesn't need to get involved in the religious issues unless someone's welfare. They are to make sure of the general welfare. Someone's starting human sacrifice, yes, government needs to step in. That's a whole different story. But government's just supposed to stay out of it. Separation of church and state, structurally, absolutely. In practice, completely not. God bless you. See you tomorrow.